A question asked courageously, answered honestly, and lived authentically can change your whole life. For me, that question was, how can I use what I have, what I love, and what I know to bless the lives of others? The School for Good Living and this podcast are one answer to that question. Hi, I'm Brian Miller. I know that the world can work for everyone, but that it won't until it works for you. I've created this to help you make the difference you were born to make. It's a series of conversations with thought leaders who are moving humanity forward. And in each episode, I explore their lives and the work they do. I also ask them to break down how they've gotten their books written, published, and read. This podcast is all about exploring the magic and mystery, and sometimes the misery, of the creative process. So if you have a mission, a message, and the motivation to share it, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the School for Good Living. Hey, welcome back, and thank you for listening to part two of my interview with Sydney Campos. Oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah. Service versus <laughs> servitude. I've been totally a slave to doing whatever, what I think everyone wants me to do. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit how it, it was for me as well. And to even see that those words that are so similar, but there is a world of difference between them, service and servitude. Mm. And yeah, so I, I really appreciate that, that distinction there. <laughs> okay. So I've only got about 14 other questions I wanted to ask that I, that I won't <laughs> in this area. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask about Odyssey. I wanted to ask about Akashic Records. I wanted to ask about self-care. I wanted to ask about rituals, daily rituals, intuition, how to cultivate it. But I, I want to set all that as oh, tech, technological environments and digital spaces that we occupy and how to keep our energy clean <laughs> in there. So there's so much, but in, in the interest of time and managing our energy, I want to transition us <laughs> Now, I do want to just say this, though, before we go. I know I just rattled off about a half dozen things. If there's anything else in there that feels like you want to talk about it, there's no obligation to. But if anything that came up, I just want to give you a chance to touch on that or anything else before we transition. Well, I just want to acknowledge you for how much fun I'm having in this interview. And you ask incredible questions. I love the way that you facilitate space. I love your thoughtfulness. I love that you really read my book and you're asking me these really poignant questions. Mm. And I just feel really excited and I feel really supported by you. So well, thank, thank you. you. Well, thank you. <laughs> no. no, I'm I'm grateful for the chance to connect and I love I love the work you're doing. I enjoyed I enjoyed the book. I'm grateful for the chance to talk now. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Well then with that, I'm going to transition us now to the enlightening lightning round. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, so in this series of questions, I my aim is to ask the question briefly and then get out of the way. I might pull on a few of your answers, but by and large, I'm just going to let you say whatever you want. Okay. Right. As though I haven't been doing that already. <laughs> okay. okay, number one, please complete the following sentence with something other than a box of chocolates. Life is like a... Giant pool party. <laughs> okay, number two. <laughs> What's something at which you wish you were better? Listening. Okay. Also number two. It's a new number two. I'm testing out. What's something which you are not, which you used to be? Mm, wow. That's a really good question. Dishonest. Okay. Thank you. Number three. If you were required... I know this might be a stretch, but if you were required every day for the rest of your life to wear a t-shirt with a slogan on it or a saying or a phrase or a quote or a quip, what would the shirt say? 
Life of the party. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. Number number four. What book, other than your own, have you gifted or recommended most often? Ooh, it's a tie. Untethered Soul and The Surrender Experiment, both by Michael Singer. Mm. Why those books? They really speak to my soul deeply. Mm. Okay. Thank you. Number five. So you travel a ton. What's one travel hack, meaning something you do or something you take with you when you travel to make your travel less painful or more enjoyable? A lot of crystals, essential oils, and like really yummy hand solve. <laughs> hmm. What kind? What are your favorite crystals or what are your favorite crystals right now? Oh, I just have like a bunch of, you know, Labradorite heart and I have this really beautiful, this one will be the one that comes with me most. This is a Lemurian quartz from Mount Shasta. Oh, right on. Really special. Yeah. That's cool. And then what about essential oils? What what do you what are your go-tos? Oh. Well, I have a little bit of my kit here. I have my rose water <laughs> and rose oil, geranium oil. And I really love what's the one that I have over there? It's another mix from Mount Shasta. Right on. Okay. Thank you for that. Number six. I just want to go back on the crystals for a moment. <laughs> so how do you use them? You just put them in the space. Do you hold them when you do some kind of visualization or meditation or something else? Depends what I'm doing. I use them a lot for gridding energetic spaces. So creating a field in either a room or a home, you know, especially when I'm traveling, I'll want to set a grid and if I'm staying at Airbnb or hotel, I'll use crystals to create an energetic field of support that I feel really at home in. That's very stabilizing for my energy. Some of them I just carry in my pocket just because they feel really good. I don't even think about it too much. I just intuitively feel supported. And other ones I'll meditate with, like my Mount Shasta one, I have connected with other crystals that I buried in the mountain. So it's like a good connection to that energy of Mount Shasta, which is a big communication line to other uh, energies that are very supportive for me. And yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of them are all for just energetic support and stability, you know, and really we can create any kind of feeling that we want in our environment when we start to work with crystals and feel energy fields in a more intentional way, you know, like we can say, oh, this fit. we've all walked into like weird hotel rooms or Airbnbs and we're like, something's a little off here. Yeah, like, there's I, a lot of weird energy. I think someone you know? was murdered here. <laughs> yeah, mean, well, that's, that's a little extreme, but you can <laughs> yeah. tell maybe if there's like a big party there, there was like just some, there's just kind of something's off. Yeah. We all have this sense actually yeah. when we tune in, it's like something's a little bit weird. And so we actually have the ability to clear that energy quite instantaneously, program the kind of energy or experience that we want to have, you know, and it's a pretty simple process to do so. <laughs> yeah. I, here's my thing on that. I love crystals because they're beautiful. I have no yeah. idea if they really do anything, but what I do know, <laughs> and of course, science has substantiated this very well, that the placebo effect is very real and that intention is powerful. So whether or not, like, I love what you're saying about creating like an energetic space and, and again, I guess I'm saying this maybe for the benefit of any skeptical listeners who might've tuned out a while ago anyway, but I just think <laughs> that idea of that deliberate intention is powerful, whether or not crystals actually quote unquote work. Well, our bodies are crystals, you know, our blood is like made up of crystalline substance. Computers are made out of crystals. I mean, really all of our high to advanced technology is crystalline 
you know, it's made up microchips or made of court, like crystals. And, you know, so it's, do they work? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> Tune in at nine. I think, yeah. I think there's yeah. something going on here yeah. and they're fun and they're beautiful yeah. and they're powerful. And they're one of the most ancient technologies that we have on earth. Yeah. Okay. So last thing before I, <laughs> before I remember this is a lightning round. What if somebody wanted to learn more? I know the internet is endless, right? And there's and bookstores, New Age especially, have tons of books on this. But what what do you recommend as a source for someone to learn more about the potential of working with crystals? Oh my gosh, I would recommend this book by someone I actually interviewed on my podcast. Her name's Aisha Amario, and what's the name of her book? It's like How to Work with Crystals, and she's a trained like shamanic practitioner, but also like clinical therapist and just like very grounded in Western, you know, therapeutic modalities, but also super mystical and wrote this incredible book about not only the properties of different crystals, but how to work with them also in like color therapy and healing specific. She will go through each crystal and how it affects different emotions, how to work with it with very specific intention to heal trauma. And I mean, it's like a whole dictionary encyclopedia and also weaving through her story, working with like hundreds of clients. That's awesome. Yeah. And and then that does, that reminds me of the the quotation from Nikolai Tesla that you included in your book here (laughs) about if you want to understand the universe, think of it in terms of frequency. Frequency. Yeah. And, and how color if you want to, if you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration, yes. and how crystals are all of the right color. Yes. Uh, anyway, okay, all right. So back on track, Brian. Here we go. All right, number <laughs> six. What's one thing you've started or stopped doing in order to live or age well? Stop smoking cigarettes. Stop drinking. Stop doing drugs. And started really cultivating a mindfulness and and like loving relationship with well period with my life with myself but with money that's just what came up is like really developing this really healthy clear grounded ritual of like how I track my finances and organize my business and it's like this really celebrate celebratory ritual that I love that's great and you look very joyous when you talk about it so it must be yeah. working. <laughs> That's, yeah. great. That's great. Okay. Number seven, what's one thing you wish every American knew? I think there's a difference between knowing and understanding. And so I want to say that I wish every single American understood deeply and believed that they are infinitely powerful beings that can create absolutely anything that they want. Me too. Okay. Number eight, what's the most important or useful advice regarding relationships you've ever heard and successfully applied? And whether this is intimate relationships or just relationships in general, you can answer it however you want. Focus on yourself. Boom. (laughs) That's it. It's really that. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Your next book might be a really short book. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Uh, Number nine. It actually is the book. I I was joking with someone about this. It's actually going to be a longer book, but I was joking with someone. It's like, yeah, the book is like 300 pages, but it's like, you know, because it's called the consciousness code. So it's all about, you know, exploring consciousness and how one might embody higher consciousness states and become a creator of their reality. And it's like a 300 page book, but all the pages are blank, except one page that says, I am. (laughs) And you are. So we are. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Okay. Question number nine. Aside from compound interest, 
what's the most important or useful thing you've ever learned about money or what's something you're sure to always or never do with it? Hmm. Something that's really been impactful and healing my relationship with money and coming into like thrival is to, to feel money as an energy, as an energy of, of love, as a currency of love and as a vote for what I really stand for mm. in life. That's a powerful perspective. Mm. Yeah, that was that point too about when we call money currency, all that it denotes about its desire, money's desire to flow. Mm-hmm. It's really an, an amazing thought. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, speaking of money, I have made a $100 microloan to an entrepreneur in India on your behalf as a way of saying thank you for making time to interview. This is a woman named Karuna Moyi who lives in West Bengal, India, and she will use this to purchase wood and paint to repair her food cart. She sells food in her hometown. She's 38 years old. She makes about $140 a month US. So I think this, uh, I hope this will make a big difference in the quality of her life, her family's life and in her community. So thank you for giving me a reason to make that micro loan. Thank you so much. That is beautiful. Was that through Kiva? Yeah. I love them. Yeah. And now this woman's name, Karuna, is a really, that's a powerful name. I'm not sure what it means. I just want to look it up because it actually means divine compassion. Oh, Karuna does? Karuna? Yeah. No, Karuna, because there's a type of Karuna Reiki. It's like energy healing modality. And it's compassion that is fund, a fundamental quality in the Bodhisattva. Wow. So it's like the saintly divine compassion. It's beautiful. Who knew? That's great. (laughs) And then also I want to ask this here to make sure I I don't just try to squeeze it at the end or forget it, is about if people want to learn more from you or if they want to connect with you, what would you have them do? Wow. I think the best way would be to connect with me on Instagram. I'm pretty active there. And then I also have a fun newsletter, which you can subscribe to on my website, sydneycampos.com. Awesome. And Sydney is S-Y-D-N-E-Y, right? So Sydney Campos, C-A-M-P-O-S dot com. Right. Cool. Okay. So congratulations. You survived the enlightening lightning round. (laughs) (laughs) So the final part of the interview here, I want to ask you a few questions about the writing and creative process and maybe even a couple about the promotional process. Uh, Mm, Just because mm -hmm. it's one thing I know as authors... We often look at the completion of a manuscript or the publication as the finish line, where really there's this whole other game to play about getting it out into the world, letting people know, you know, motivating them to buy it and read it and that kind of thing. So with that, you know, I threw away my question set for this whole area about 20 interviews ago, and I haven't reconstructed it. So (laughs) I'll ask you the one question. Let me start with this. Who has been influential in your development as a writer and what have you learned from them? Huh. Hmm. It feels really challenging to answer. I feel self-taught. I feel that my own journey, my own development, my own practice has, I am always my greatest teacher when it, and it comes to writing. It's like really the people that have supported me are like my, my team of like mentors, my, my friends, my allies, the people that I can go to, to get, you know, get more in check with myself and actually clear my channel Mm -hmm. so that I can bring through what wants to be written. Like I don't write the book. The book writes me. 
And so I have to get out of the way, you know, because as soon as I start to think like, I have to go write this book and I'm in charge, that's when it's no longer what it's supposed to, that's not how it's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that that's, that's great. Let me ask you this. I, my experience is that many people want to write a book or maybe more more appropriately said, many people want to have written a book. <laughs> they don't actually want to write the book, uh-huh. right? But I think a lot of people are in this situation of having this desire at some level, but they're living a life that's not easily conducive to getting the book done. So I'm interested to know if you will share a little bit about what was your life like before you decided to write the book? And then how did your life change, if at all, to orient it around the completion and publication of a book? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's a great question. I have a really, like, uh, I think I have a really unique path. You know, as soon as I got published, there were so many people run, like asking me, like, can I talk to you about your experience, you know, going through public, like working with a publisher, working with Simon and Schuster? Can I, what was your experience working with a literary agent and look, you know, getting a book deal? And I'm like, I don't have, like, like I, it just happened. I was, I was offered, <laughs> I was offered a book deal, you know, through a Facebook message. Really? Yeah. And, and was it from, from, the, to, from an agent first? No, it was from Simon and Schuster. So it came from yeah. the publisher, not even through an yes. agent. Wow. From the publisher. Yeah. Interesting. So this, this, well, the longer story is, you know, so I told you a lot about my history and so I, I get clean, I go you know, I get into some various healing modalities. My career starts to take off. I'm working in New York at the time and advertising and marketing. And I'm doing all this healing work, intuitive work, studying the Akashic Records, studying Reiki, having these like breakthrough awakening experiences, doing really well in my recovery, doing the 12 steps, all these great, I'm having this great life. And I'm starting to see clients on the side. I have my full-time job working at a, you know, ad agency. And then on the weekends, I'm doing intuitive coaching and energy healing, you know, and and I started to just be supporting all of these people that kind of had the same issues, just like I had. They were all empaths. And I started developing these kind of prescriptive you know, suggestions to help them manage their energy and, and feel better in, in New York City, which is like one of the craziest places to live as an empath. And the people's feedback from you know, following the actions and the practices that I would give them was like, this is changing my life. This is so helpful. This isn't, how did you know this? And I'm just giving them the things that I had been practicing over the years to feel better. Mm-hmm. So then the thought occurred to me, if all of these people are having these breakthroughs from you know, these things that I'm frankly taking for granted, maybe I could be of more service to write an article you know, that maybe some more people will, will you know, and it was just a very light thought. It wasn't like, I'm going to write this article and it has to be this big deal. Just like, I'm just going to put it online. You know, and I wrote two articles from Mind Body Green about empaths, about, you know, what to do when you feel everything, empath survival skills. And I mean, I had people emailing me from all over the world who were like, I've never known this. This is who, like, I never knew there was a word to describe how I felt my entire life. I sent this article to my family so they could understand what it's like to be me. You know, people are having these massive, and I just never would have imagined. And then a few months later, I get the Facebook message. that's like, hey, we saw your, you know, from Eileen at, um, you know, the publisher. And she's like, saw your articles and, you know, would like to discuss you writing a title for us. And I, at this moment thought, you know, of course, maybe in my long-term plan for my life, I would have loved to write books. 
was I at that moment prepared to like start that process, which is very arduous of like writing the proposal, getting a literary agent, doing the whole pitching thing, like all of it. It's a huge undertaking. And I was not considering doing anything like that. I just wrote the articles and thought maybe I'll write an ebook. You know, maybe I'll just, I can expand on this. People are receiving this so well. I can write like 40 pages, you know, to expand upon this and maybe make it, you know, available on Amazon or something like that. And, but it was around that time that I got, I got invited to this other opportunity to write a book for a major publisher. And I'd say that because it's, it's obviously an example of the universe meeting me halfway. I had this thought like, oh, I want to be of service and this feels good. It feels fun. It feels natural. I have all this, you know, to share that frankly, I've been taking for granted that a lot of people could probably really be, you know, receive support from. And I think I'm going to go do my ebook. And meanwhile, the universe is like, "Mm -mm, nope, here you go. You're going to do this book and it's going to be much longer and it's going to be more in depth and you're going to have all the support that you need to do this really well. And it's going to be distributed all around the world. That's really beautiful. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that's I say that a lot when I do book events and other, you know, speaking events about this process because I really believe that each and every one of us actually has this wellspring of wisdom that we just take for granted because it's how we live, it's how we operate, it's the things that we've been doing to just live and they don't seem like that big of a deal, but really there's probably a lot of people, at least definitely one or two other people on the planet who you know, are maybe dying, not knowing what you know, you know, and the more that you keep it to yourself, it's like, we have an invitation to share, to share our story, to share our wisdom, to share our revelation, Mm. because it feels good because it's celebrating ourselves. And because maybe like there's a couple people out there, maybe a lot of people out there that are literally waiting for you because they can't hear me. They can't really resonate with me. Something about my voice is turning them off or it's too weird or whatever. But meanwhile, you might have a similar message, but a different way of delivering it that some other people can really register and it might change their life. You know, so I just say that as a way to like really follow that impulse. If you feel an impulse to share, if you feel an impulse to start writing, to make a video, write an article, write a book, it doesn't have to be a huge thing, but follow the impulse to start sharing and you'll start to see like, wait, that feels good. Maybe I do want to make a bigger thing. Maybe, okay, here's the next step. It will be revealed you know? Yeah. I love what you're saying there about, you know, following that and and about, and about the universe meeting you halfway or you meeting the universe halfway, however you'd say it. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. so one thing that comes up for me in that then is that, okay, so, you know, I know many people, myself, I would put in this category, you know, ideas, there's no shortage of ideas. There's no shortage of passion, curiosity, desire, you know, this kind of thing. And at some point, some of these things start to feel like work, <laughs> right? If you go, okay, I'm going to write, like then you take on the book, you make that commitment. And was there ever a point where you started to question like that that feeling of riding a wave maybe or following an impulse kind of fell away and you felt like maybe you were experiencing servitude at that point or something? And if so, how did you, how did you navigate that? <laughs> I, I feel like, I'm, like I was such a different person back then with the first one. Uh-huh. It's such a birthing process, like writing. I mean, I mean this, like the book writes you. I feel like the book writes you and it's like a, it's a birthing process. It's your rebirthing process, you know, and wow, it's, it's intense. And that, that dance between like the pressure and the deadline and the have to, the servitude thing, Mm. 
in my experience, that's like in that's when I get lost and I get really disconnected from the original intention and mission and you know sacred invitation that is frankly to just be a channel and and play and like put your genius allow your genius to play like to create the masterpiece but for me let me let me like say that in plain english writing the first book like i didn't you know go on some writing retreat for like 5 months mm-hmm. i was having i had a full time coaching practice i was hosting retreats i like didn't really create a ton of space my style and i think even to this date like my writing style tends to be like kind of wait till the last minute when there is a deadline so I can just get get all the noise out of the way and actually have this kind of urgency and adrenaline rush occur but then allows me to just like binge you know yeah. I kind of like have binge channeling writing sessions and and that's how I wrote I wrote the empath experience in about four and a half months and I did it predominantly in like multiple series of these really long sessions where I would just I could get into flow state and do that for like days at a time and sometimes you know approaching the deadline would really support me in like lighting the fire and who knows if that's a conditioning from college or high school and just like waiting till the last minute yeah. to like study for the <laughs> test or write the essay I mean I definitely have I know other writers have that too and like we all have different styles some people like my best friend she writes every day. She just writes a thousand words every day. You know, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know some people are so disciplined and Dallin, yeah. my producer and I, we, oh, we have this conversation sometimes about the creative process where the work yeah. begins and then we just kind yeah. of screw off okay. and then it gets to be this point where we, we reach panic and then we do all the work while crying. <laughs> before the... So I'm glad to know this is a universal experience. It's a weird one, right? But it, but I think it has everything to do with like, well, let me talk about my my current situation because I was really feeling this last couple of days. I was actually feeling a lot of stress. I have a deadline with 10% of the manuscript due in a couple of days. And I wrote like 20,000 words for this book, which is way over the, the amount due. I wrote so much over the last couple of months. I was just channeling and flowing and feeling so good. But then, you know, oh God, the last month I've gone through some of the biggest initiations, healing, upgrades, you know, I no longer recognize that voice. So I'm starting over from scratch. And then that created this feeling of like, oh my God, but there's a time and okay, ask for a few days extension. That's okay. But that's part of the process is I think when we write these books, especially about our lives and the, the things we've experienced so that we have you know, we can be an example to others who maybe don't have to go through the same lessons <laughs> that we got to go through for them, you know, for all of us. It's like, oh, I'm being given a lot of the lessons that are meant to be included in this book. And it's kind of not happening on my time frame. It's not happening like last year with a long graceful integration period. It's happening in real time so that I can quickly actually share what's present now, what it's like to be in the process. How does one integrate from some of these experiences coming into deeper awareness of who you actually are and and why we're here and what consciousness is. I mean, these are like big questions, right? But I'm literally being given all these opportunities in my life right now to be in the practice, to be in the investigation, like to literally be the guinea pig. So, you know, I get to just start from scratch and and not listen to the, well, you know, pressure, deadlines, obligation, Mm. servitude. Like these are not the energies that I'm here to play in. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, like I'm here to really be a clear channel and share this transmission of something that I'm like prepared to be amazed by that I just get to be a channel for. And so how I prioritize the writing process now is like 
doing what feels good for my body to feel really supported, present, joyful, to feel like myself. And then when it feels inspiring, when the book is like calling me, inviting me to write and share, I listen, you know, I go and I listen to that call and then I go engage. And that's just, that's my personal process, but it's, it's been, uh, it, it can be challenging sometimes when there is like, you know, there's deadlines and there's third dimensional constructs and, you know, but you get to choose how you react and respond and how you operate and prioritize your well-being and remember to always stay connected to the mission and the underlying you know, why are you even doing this in the first place? Yeah. Like, why do you want to write a book? Because a lot of people might think like, oh, I want to, I should write a book. I should have a book because it's a certain accolade. It means it, you know, proves something about yourself. Is that all you really want? Because the, you know, there's other ways to achieve that goal. Or do you actually want to tell a story? Or do you actually have wisdom to transmit? Or do you actually want to give this gift to yourself, which is integrating your life experience in a beautiful way? You know, get clear on your why and the action and the the route to you know achieving the goal it becomes a lot more clear. Yeah, I think I think that's such a great perspective as well. And everything you're saying about kind of that energetic space from which you write the book, you know, can make such a difference. And and a friend of mine mm-hmm. is a poet in San Diego, and he talks about how he very consciously ensured he was in certain mental, emotional, spiritual spaces before he would write. Mm-hmm. And I I think that does come through. You know, just like bands when there was a certain period of their life and the albums cert- sound a certain way, you know? Yes. So now that's, that's, that's great. Okay. So let me, let me just ask you one last question about writing before I ask one or two questions about promotion. So the question here is what are the qualities of a great sentence and how can we write more of them? <laughs> hmm. For me, a great sentence is completely just like anchored in a truth that you feel. It's like a transmission. It's encoded. I don't think this is something we can try. I don't think this is something we attempt to create. It's something that is channeled through. It's like just perfect. Like you feel it. Beyond the words that are read, there's like a certain encodement or activation that happens with certain sentences. And and it's not the sentence, it's the being that's channeling it. And it has to do with like their embodiment of truth, like a deep understanding and knowing of what it is that they're transmitting. Mm-hmm. So like the truth that comes through is so simple. It's like so precise. It's just like the mic drop, you know, it's like, oh, like I'm so after that. And to do to be that, I get to be really clear in my being. I get to be really clear on who I am. I get to be really clear on what my mission is. And it's simple. And there's not so much flowery description and and maybe the book is just one word, you know? <laughs> like <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. What have you learned about marketing and promoting a book that has been useful to you that you think might be useful to others? Something I wish I well, let me just lead with this. I so I'm a marketer and I've worked in, you know, PR advertising for a long time, but what I and I would have thought I would have been really great at marketing my book when it came out. And I had support from the publishing team and marketing team and PR and everything, but I, I'll just lead with what I wish I had done, actually. Okay. I think that might be more effective. So what I really wish I could have known then, which I know now, which I'm excited to do now for the new book, is like, oh my gosh, when the book is getting ready to come out and I have the advanced copies, I, I wish I had been more focused on just being in celebration mode and like literally giving away so many copies 
to so many amazing people, you know, friends, family, and also people that I'd love to be interviewed by and share with. And but just generally, I wish I would have given the book away to way more people who are also living an inspiring life, who are on their mission, who are like, just give it away as a thank you without any agenda of wanting to be interviewed, actually. You know, just sh- because just like money, like currency, right? The book is a currency, it's a transmission. And so I wish I had been better at amplifying the currency, the flow of the energy of the book by literally giving it away and just sell it being in that celebratory energy. What I did a lot of, which I, I don't think was really effective, is like, message, you know, did a lot of like newsletter campaigning and pre-order campaigning on social media and did like a thunderclap thing, which is like basically getting everyone on the the publishing date to like post on social media. I don't think that was super effective. You know, a lot of the sales of my book actually happen from not so much online orders, more so like bookstores, you know, like Barnes and Noble and people (coughs) buying, finding the book on the bookshelf in different shops. And so that's been interesting to watch you know, and yeah, and I wish I had just given away a lot more of the book as a gift. And I also wish that I had planned out more kind of like collaborative, what would have been really fun, which I'm excited to do for the new book is instead of like booking myself as like on a speaking tour for the book at all these different places, I actually want to do something more creative that feels more collaborative, that feels more like inviting other people to the table too. So it's not just like me and my book. I'd actually like to use my new book as a platform for gathering, you know, maybe not just myself, but almost like panels of different people in different places that I'll travel to and like a tour, you know, but make it more of like a transformational experience where there's multiple thought leaders or like a symposium and like not just a two hour thing, but like a half day experience where we're actually doing some of the practices that are in the book. We're not just talking about the book. We're actually doing things differently together. Like that's what I'm, I'm really excited about knowing what I know now. Cause yeah. it's fun to like go talk about myself and you know, but I actually want to be more in collaboration. I want to help create a platform that lifts a lot of other people up too. And most importantly, I want to actually be in the practice of, you know, embodying more consciousness, embodying more of our true selves really together. Oh, that's, that's great. And that, that sounds fun. <laughs> what you're yeah, saying sounds exactly. fun. And and totally. you know somebody who I really respect who does who does in my view what you're saying you want to do really well is um Chris Gilbo. Do you know Chris? Oh yeah, <laughs> from Impact. Mm, he does wait, the $100 startup and he has the Zero World startup, Domination yeah. Summit up in Portland every year and oh, cool. and he's he's got a bunch but he does this thing where he invites people and he's been doing this for a lot of years now, but he actually invites people to invite him to come to their community. And then he organizes with people who volunteer, they organize events for him to come and other people come and everyone is different. Some are in like grocery stores, some are in, you know, we actually did one here in Salt Lake at a movie theater and some are in cool. grade school. Like all, it's really cool. It's, it's just a neat thing. I'd never seen anything like it, but so that's fun. I love that idea. See, that's what I'm talking about. Like that feels so creative and inspiring, co-creative, you know, I'm all about that now. Like the co-creation of like, where does the community want? Like do do those people even, it's so funny to think like, I'm just going to go to that bookstore and do an event and who knows if anybody even cares. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) And, And by the way, in your previous answer, it totally resonated with something. My last guest, a guy named Dr. Stephen Post, he talked about his words were being generous 
he talked about yeah. part of his thing being generous with my book. And I was like, that's a cool yeah. way to say it. And then what you're saying about the book is also a currency. Yeah. Like that's really a cool view, I think. Yeah. So. Just give it away. Give it away, man. I'm just going to, I want to give a ton of, maybe I'll give like, that would be really fun. Actually. I'd like to make that commitment to just, you know, when my new book comes out next fall, I'd like to gift a huge amount to a lot of different people and not even make it like a, a giveaway or like a contest. Like I don't need to receive anything in return. I just want to like put it out there in the world so that a lot of people get to play with it. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I will gladly receive that. Maybe we'll yes. do a part two on the consciousness code. <laughs> awesome. If you're up for it. I'd love that. So, Okay. <laughs> well, good. Well, I know we're at our predetermined time, so I want to respect that and let you let you go. Before I do, is there a final thought? Is there a, a mantra, a saying, a piece of encouragement, anything you'd want listeners to do or make sure they take away from this wonderful conversation we just had or even something outside it? Hmm. What feels true? I really like this quote. I'm, I'm like, I'm consolidating a bunch of different quotes that I really love to include in the, you know, in between sections in the new book. And <laughs> I got to give it to the old school, the roomy classics. Um, I really love, mm, yesterday I was clever, so I wanted to change the world. Today I am wise, so I am changing myself. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Okay. Well, what a perfect place to, not even to end, but to, to pause. Until <laughs> to inquire. Yes. Okay. Well, fabulous. Well, thank you again. And thank you on behalf. And thank you to everyone listening for listening to this. And thank you, Sid. I'm going to thank you on behalf of everyone who's listening to this. I've, re I've really had a lot of fun. I've learned a lot from your book. I've taken away a lot from this conversation. And I look forward to the time that we connect again next, whenever it happens to be. Despite living in an age where we have more comforts and conveniences than ever before, life isn't working for many people. Whether it's in the developed world, where we're dealing with depression, anxiety, addiction, divorce, jobs we hate, relationships that don't work, or people in the developing world who don't have access to clean water or sanitation or healthcare or education, or who live in conflict zones, there's a lot of people on the planet that life isn't working very well for. If you're one of those people, I invite you to connect with me at goodliving.com. I've created Life's Best Practices Breakthrough Coaching to help you navigate the transitions that we all go through. Whether you've just graduated school, you're going through a divorce, you just got married, you're headed into retirement, you're starting a business, you just lost your job, whatever it is you're facing, I've developed a 36-week course that you go through with me and a community of achievers and seekers who are committed to improving their own lives and the lives of others. So through this online program, you will have the opportunity to go deep into every area of your life, explore life's big questions, create answers for yourself in community get clarity and accountability. If that's something you're interested to learn about, I invite you to contact me directly at brian at briamiller.com or by visiting goodliving.com. 